Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the extravaganza known internationally as Locked on ACC. I am Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. I would love to invite you to connect with the program. You can tweet us at Locked on ACC. You can also email us LockedOnACC at gmail.com. You can send us voice memos, takes, whatever you want to send us. I'd love to hear from you. You can also follow me. I am at Sports Matters on Twitter. Just to warn you, you will probably get a lot of non-ACC stuff, especially over the next couple of days, but... Long story behind that. I also, I'm not sure how the show schedule is going to look for the rest of the week. I have some outside obligations, but I also have a fun idea. And if I can get that idea into place, we're going to have a a couple of fun shows, but we shall see. I wanted to start, though, by talking about Carolina and Wake last night. Carolina wins 93-83 over Wake. I wanted to start by letting you hear Danny Manning after last night's game. This is going to become very important, and you'll see why right after you hear from Wake Forest coach Danny Manning. Um, Senior night's always tough. You know, there's always a lot of emotion and energy in the building, and we experienced that our last home game. And, uh, you know, today we got off to a a tough start. We got off to a bad start. I thought we showed some composure of getting back into the ball game by halftime. Um, And then the second half, it was an offensive game. They shot a really high clip. We shot a high clip. They shot really high. We, we didn't shoot as high. So, you know, we have to do a better job of uh, locating and, and knowing where the shooters were. And, you know, Cole and uh, Brandon go for nine threes between them. And, um, you know, we only had 13 turnovers, which is a low number for us, but it resulted in 21 points for them. So how they shot the ball, you know, from three-point line, they get 30 points from behind the arc, and they get – um, 21 off of our turnovers, and that's a that's a huge number to overcome. Questions for coach? What what could you have done differently in the second half on defense, Danny? Found ways to get stops. You know, you got to make teams miss. That's what you got to do. And um, we didn't make them miss enough to give ourselves a chance. What are you seeing out Garrison Brooks, and why is he so tough in the paint? Um, he establishes great post position. Um, sits down, sits down in the post, wide hands, strong body, moves his feet. And, um, you know, obviously they do a really good job of, of giving him the ball. And, um, you know, when he, when he gets it in the post, he, he does a good job of attacking angles. How difficult was it to handle the, the foul trouble you had, especially in the middle? It was, uh, it was challenging, no question about it. I wish we could have put them in foul trouble like that. Were you happy to steal five or six minutes down the stretch of the first half with Odie with three fouls? Uh, yeah, we had to. You know, that, that's kind of that, kind of where we're at. Um, go back with O, he had to. We'll play Odie, and you know, Odie's going to play fewer minutes than Olivier when it comes down to those two in the ball game. And so um, we rewrote Odie a little bit, and uh, you know, I, I thought you know he did some good things for us. Like I said, we came in at halftime, we put ourselves in. You know, a situation where we're we're back in the game, and uh, the second half, you know, obviously we didn't uh, get enough stops and take care of the ball. Though. What was it about the North Carolina offense that just made it kind of hard to stay in front of them? I mean, they're talented. Um, you know, um, I think we talked about guys that that scored the ball for them. 
Cole is one of the better guards in our league, and Garrett's one of the better bigs. And um, those guys are really efficient. Um, I shot 19 free throws between them. Um, out of the team's 28, and we only shot 22. So that's a, that's a tough call. Danny, how do you regroup the guys for one more road game this week and try to pick up the, where the momentum was at the end of last week? Same thing we did before our last couple games. You know, you, you go back into practice, and there should be a, uh, and there will be a, a level of uh, frustration. Should be mad, um, and we've got to harness all those energy generating behaviors and, and put them into our game plan and, and go execute. That last answer, particularly, was quite illuminating. If you think about. Wake Forest and where they are. And then with today's news, just before we started recording here, it was reported by Brian Geisinger over at ACC Sports Journal that a source is telling them that Wake and Danny Manning are negotiating a buyout. There was a lot of conversation around, could this actually happen? Could Wake come up with enough money to buy him out? Would they actually do it? You'll recall just... Three years ago, not even three years ago, about two years and a couple of months ago, Wake Forest extended Danny Manning's contract through the 2024-25 season. That done by Ron Wellman at the time. No terms given to us, but it's been alleged, alleged being a key word, that his buyout is in the millions as in nearing 20. He obviously wouldn't get that much to go away. But it's just curious to see all of this now coming together after last night's game and after the way they've struggled this year. He also mentioned a lot of numeric stuff, and I want to go into a little bit of inside the numbers kind of on a quicker glance after we hear from Roy Williams. But Roy Williams talked about Cole Anthony particularly and about some of the things he's been coaching him to do better over the last few games as North Carolina's heated up this Tar Heel coach, Roy Williams. Boy, what has made Cole so much more efficient in these last five or six games? <laughs> oh, the re- it wasn't anything you said, but uh, I don't know, several games ago I told him I wanted him to be more efficient. And I wanted his shot attempts to go down, his makes to go up, so his field goal percentage. I wanted his assists to go up and his turnovers to go down and his defensive play to keep getting better because I think that he – really can be a very efficient point guard. We put him in a spot a couple of games where he felt like he had to score every possession himself. And his shot is much better than his percentage has been. But, uh, so I, the reason I laughed is I grabbed him to shoot around the day and I said, remember, more efficient tonight. And then as we were leaving the locker room, we grabbed him and he said, yeah, I understand what you want to say. It's being more efficient. And uh, But I think he is that kind of player and he hasn't uh, – had a lot of guys making shots around him that has made him his numbers look even worse. Just like even Saturday, it said seven assists. Right, four times he threw the ball to a guy who had a layup or a guy got fouled. He doesn't get credit for those. But uh, I do think he was really efficient tonight. Again, what was it? Uh, four for five from three, eight for eight from the line, seven assists, one turnover. You know, I didn't even mention his points. You know, I talked about being efficient, but uh, I thought he was sensational. I thought Harrison was sensational. B-Rob making five threes and Christian. Did he score all of his points in the second half? Because he's been scoring really well, but every shot he took was soft in the first half. He took a bad shot on the layup, and another one he took in there. 
laid it up, tried to lay it up, and it's a soft shot. But I think all of them at that stage, that's the reason I laughed when you said that. Roy, when you add in that the garrison has scored over 20 in five straight games now, the fact that those two kind of emerged as your primary scoring options, does that free things up for everybody else? Well, it's good to have more than just one guy that can score up because we were talking about half the season. It was almost like Cole felt like he had to score 60 for us to win. I mean, if he doesn't score 34 or whatever it was in the first game, we don't win that game. And so he had that feeling. But I do believe I'm fairly close that uh, B-Rob, Cole, and Garrison have only played like eight games together all year. Of course, maybe less than that if you talk about some of the games that B-Rob went out. Uh, but uh, so I think if having three guys like that always helps, but I'd like to have five. What's been the difference in the last three games? You guys had at point where you had the lead in the second half, or previously kind of bad things happened, but you guys were able to hold on to it the last three games. I'm, I'm making a few shots when the other team did start making their run as well. I mean, they went down and made a three, and B Rob came back and made a three. They made a three, and Cole made a three. So it was answering some of their score, and we scored of our own. We're still not getting the stops that we need to get. I guess we got two in a row there when they got it to five or six that let us go back out to nine, ten, or eleven or something like that. But uh, uh, to play the game in this league, you've got to be able to play for 40 minutes. If you take the last five minutes off and don't play well, you're going to lose most of those games. Interesting insight there from Roy, particularly talking about Cole and what he's been doing to coach him to be a more efficient player. If you saw him earlier in the year, he was forcing a lot of shots. He was taking a lot of shots probably because of his feeling he had to. Then you look at last night's numbers, and again, we'll go inside the numbers just briefly. Cole Anthony last night for Carolina, 28 points, 8 of 14 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3, 8 of 8 from the line, as Roy mentioned. Also snared four boards, seven assists to one turnover. That's pretty big. You want to talk about efficiency from your point guard? That'll work. Garrison Brooks, 25 points, 9 of 12 from the field, 7 of 11 from the line, 7 boards for Garrison Brooks, and the fact that he played 34 minutes is pretty significant. Brandon Robinson, 18 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3. He grabbed 4 boards, dished 3 dimes in 35 minutes. Talked about Carolina in the second half did Danny Manning. Carolina shot 64.3% in the second half. They were 18 of 28 in the second half. Even more troublesome for Wake, they were 5 of 7 from 3 were Carolina. Tar Heels shot 17 of 23 from the line in the second half. Not great, but it worked out okay. He also talked about getting stops in the second half. And if you look at that second half, if you get what's referred to as a kill, a kill is three stops in a row. Wake got just one kill the entire second half. The longest string of missed shots that Carolina had in the second half, other than that one kill, was one. That's kind of a problem. Meanwhile, Carolina didn't exactly record a number of kills themselves in the second half. They only came up with one, but they were able to get a couple of stops in a row And when you start stringing stops together, you'll hear coaches talk all the time about stringing stops together. Once you do that, that allows you to get out and score a little more and create a little more separation. Wake didn't have a bad night if you look at their numbers. They were 28 of 58 overall from the field, 48.3%. 17 of 31 in the second half, 54.8. But you also heard Danny Manning bring up fouls. 
fouls a big problem for Wake Forest. They had 23 to Carolina's 16, but among those fouls, you had Shondi Brown who fouled out. Olivier Saar had four. Mentioned Odie also had four. Just really tough to get a whole lot of traction when you have guys in foul trouble and you heard Danny kind of struggle to answer the question about the fouls and he mentioned that he wished they could have gotten them in that kind of foul trouble. Very sensitive way to dance around that answer without angering the ACC. Brandon Childress, 24 points for Wake, 7 of 16 from the, from the deck, 2 of 7 from 3, 8 of 8 from the line. He also had 9 helpers in 36 minutes. Musius, 13 Sar 12, Neath 10 for Wake Forest. A couple of other significant numbers, 13-7 for turnovers. Wake with the 13, those turnovers, as you heard in that sound, got turned into 21 North Carolina points. Wake turns Carolina's seven turnovers into just five points. Second chance points, not all that large, 8-5. Points in the paint, fairly close, 34-28 Carolina. Fast break points, transition points, 10-5 Carolina. But those points off turnovers are a big, big problem. When you have turnovers for touchdowns, as coaches call them, and those turnovers end up getting converted into points, it's tough to get yourself back in a game when you're not getting stops and when you're turning the ball over and it's leading to points on the other end. We'll see what happens with this Manning story as it is. We're just breaking it as it comes to us live We obviously don't have a whole lot of further detail behind it, but we will share it as we get it. But for now, time for the first break of the program. We'll come back. We'll talk Syracuse and BC and much, much more. You're listening to Locked on ACC. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Locked on ACC, March 4th, 2020. Hi, I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. Talked about Wake Forest and North Carolina in the first segment, and I wanted to talk in this one about Syracuse and BC. Now, Syracuse beats BC 84-71. A couple of big nights on the Syracuse end. Elijah Hughes, 28 points. Buddy Beheim 21 for the Orange. Those two combined to go 18 for 35 from the field. Syracuse as a team shooting 46.7% last night. 28 in the paint, 23 off miscues, 15 second chance points, just five in transition, 14 off the pine. Three BC scorers in double figures, Thornton with 18, Heath 17, and Rishwan 12. I ordinarily wouldn't do this. I would ordinarily dive a little more into the numbers, but Jim Beheim last night, had an incredibly insightful press conference talking about Elijah Hughes, about the state of his team, about guys leaving early for the draft. So instead of going into the numbers on this one, I wanted to share with you Jim Beheim's thoughts from last night. A lot to digest here, and probably more than we have time to get into on this podcast, but I wanted to at least plant the seed with you. This Jim Beheim from last night. Uh, Elijah was really good tonight. He uh, got us some space and uh, was really... He was really hard to guard tonight, and uh, I think Buddy got going the first half, so the combination of those two guys got us a separation. In the second half, we played really well. Uh, Barama helped us inside. Mark Marek 
we got a little more balance. We missed a lot of really good opportunities from the three-point line that, you know, we really need to make. I mean, we got really good shots, um, and, you know, we're just, we just haven't made enough of them. Uh, but our defense was good, except we gave some some rebound second opportunities. Uh, our our initial defensive stopped. It stopped them pretty much every time, and then they got the ball and threw it out and made a three. You know, we knew they were going to take a lot of threes. That's, you know, exactly. And when you leave people open, we left them open at the end, and they made six in a row or five, five out of six, something like that, because we left them open. You know, you can't leave shooters open in college basketball, but for the most part, we guarded them. Most of their threes until the end there were off rebounds, throwing back out, and those are hard to match back up on. But, uh, you know, is, you know, we've, we've played a little better on the road than we have at home. And, I mean, they're, they're losing, missing guys, but they've missed guys all year. But uh, I thought, uh, again, it was Elijah and Buddy got it going and were the difference uh, tonight in the game, I think. Questions? Did you kind of know coming into tonight that they weren't really going to have anyone that no. could guard Elijah and Buddy? Uh, we didn't know who they, until the game. Just before the game, we didn't know who was here. I think they, the last game I saw, I think they all played except one guy. So once you heard that, did you kind of figure that Elijah and Buddy might be more open? To- no, not really. They The same guys would have guarded Buddy. So, and I think the same guy would have guarded Elijah, really. It doesn't matter who they have. They no, Not many people have anybody to guard Elijah Hughes in this league. He's hard to guard. And when he's shooting, which he still wasn't great, but he made some. When he's shooting, he he's very hard to guard. And Buddy's gotten better with the ball coming off and getting in the lane. Guy's 6'2", he's 6'6", six, six, he shoots over these guys. He's making 60 70% on that shot in the lane. That's the shot that he's really made all year. But... Uh, it's important Barama keeps getting better, and, you know, I, we need Quincy to do – he's – I don't know, he just doesn't seem to have any pop in his legs. He's missing dunks and getting shots blocked by guys that shouldn't block his shot. And, uh, you know, he's better than this. He's just is not playing well. We need him to play better. Yeah. Yeah, we did for a while, but even early in the second half, they got two, two or three second chance threes off. You know, the initial—I mean, I don't know exactly, but it seemed to me we stopped them like probably ten or twelve times in a row down the court. Stopped them, and two or three times they got the rebound. One time they got two, missed the two, and then got the third one and made it. But, you know, they have good shooters in the game, so that helps us because they don't defend as well on the other end. So you're giving up something, but they can't guard us either, some of those guys. So, you know, you're going to give up some threes. I mean, we're trying to get the basket because we're not shooting a lot, so we get 25 free throws, they get 10, you know. And they didn't shoot well from the free throw line, which is another factor. But teams – Take a lot of threes against us anyway. They went to an extreme because I think they had to with the personnel they had. They were smart doing that. 
Um, and, you know, they just weren't sh making. They had some open shots. I mean, they had some chances to keep it close, and they missed. And then, you know, we got going on offense. Besides, it was just Elijah. But then Marek got going and made a play. Then Barama got those two or three buckets inside. That, that's When we get something like that out of him, we're just better. You know, we're just better. And, uh, you know, Joe's you know, struggled a little bit. I'm glad he hit that shot because, you know, he it was a struggle for him tonight. But, you know, we need all those guys playing well. Is there anything that gets Elijah going early on in the game? Or something I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. He's been pretty consistent. If you take out the game he got hurt, he's averaging a full point higher. I mean, he's leading the league in scoring anyway. But he'd be the game he got hurt he didn't play, so that brings his average down one full point. He got a zero, so you know he's around twenty points a game, five rebounds, four assists. Um, I don't think you can ask a guy to do any more than that. He made some tough shots in the first half. I mean, he made some tough shots. They were not easy shots. He's really improved. He puts the ball on the floor, gets by people. Um, he's, uh, I think he's really improved this year. Elijah from the big picture is interesting. He's obviously all league caliber guy. The guy's probably about a second round. Not the way these people vote in this league. He hasn't made all league, all player of the week once. Um, he's a guy who he? projects as a, projects as a second round. Does he vote? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> you shouldn't vote. The last, uh, the last, the last three or four guys you've had in his situation who've been very good players, who've been kind of borderline G League type guys, second round picks have gone, and that's the trend all around the sport. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I anticipate guys going. That's I don't even plan on guys staying anymore. Yeah. You know, I planned last year, obviously Tyus. And ironically, his father called me the other day. I called Jerry and said, maybe he should have stayed in us. <laughs> you know, but I didn't think O'Shea should leave, but I thought he might leave. So we prepared for that. But you don't replace a player like that. You know, if we had him with these young guys, he'd make a difference with our team this year. But this team's played well. You know, it's everybody has their stories. But, you know, we're up six at Clemson when Marek fouls out. We're up one with eight seconds to go. You know, we should have just given the ball and run down and play defense, but that's another story. And we're up four at Florida State, you know, late, not early, late. And then we're up six against North Carolina State without Elijah. So, I mean, we, we're not that far away from being we've – been, we've been in great position, but, you know, there are probably a lot of teams that can say that as well. But we lost two not conference games early in the year at home, and that really – Really made it hard. We could have corrected it with the Clemson Florida State game, but we we didn't. But you know, Hubs and you know Gibbs made twelve threes against us in Syracuse. I mean, they're going to beat a lot of people if those two make twelve threes, and they were hard ones. So it's just the way that goes. We're not great, but these guys have gotten everything out of themselves. I think that we could ask for them this year, and uh, you know, we just we're just not quite good enough. Bottom line. But we'll keep playing. Pretty telling there. We're just not good enough, he said. A couple of things, though, that came up out of that, and again, I'll be very brief because we could take an entire podcast to discuss all this stuff, but he talked about he doesn't even plan on guys staying anymore. 
That's pretty telling when you look at the current landscape of college basketball, and it could become even more of an issue with the transfer portal and all of that that will be opening up. Just an interesting insight into Jim Beheim's mind. Also, he talked kind of almost like Kay did over the week, where he was talking about, you know, give any coach in this league four possessions. Sounded very similar to that conversation. Now, granted, it wasn't four possessions, but very similar. Just an interesting insight to Jim Beheim, how his mind's working right now, and what he truly feels in evaluating his team. We'll talk much more about that as the tournament approaches. But something else that's also approached is the second break of the program. We'll come back tell you what to expect from tonight's ACC basketball action. You are listening to Locked on ACC. Don't you go anywhere. I'll find you. Welcome back to Locked on ACC. March 4th, 2020, segment three of the program, and we will wind down by telling you about the ACC games going on tonight. Four games. Clemson, Virginia Tech kicks us off. That is in Blacksburg. Tech minus one and a hook against Clemson, who's coming off of another big win. That over the ACC Network at seven. We talked about the projections on this last uh, show that we had, projecting games. The predictor for tonight says Virginia Tech 66, Clemson 63. So, that pretty much in line with that line that we gave you. They have Tech minus three. Just a note, Clemson three and seven on the road this year. Tech 11 and six at home. Nine o'clock starts for the other three, including Pitt at Georgia Tech. Tech minus six. That game over your regional carrier. The predictor for that says Georgia Tech 66, Pitt 62. Pitt two and eight on the road. You thought that the three and seven from Clemson was tough on the road. Two and eight is ouch. When you look at Pitt's 15 and 15 record, that goes a long way to telling the story. Georgia Tech, eight and six at home. Georgia Tech, a 64% win probability for tonight's game. Game three, 22nd ranked Virginia travels to Miami. Who's minus two in that game? The numbers, the predictor on that one, Virginia 62, Miami 58. So that sets the spread at minus four for Virginia there. Virginia 6-4 and four on the road, Miami 8-4 and four at home. Virginia a 64% win probability. And then the final game is a lot closer, I think, than most would imagine. Florida State at Notre Dame, that a 9 o'clock tip on ESPN2, Florida State is only minus 1 in that game. Then you look at the predictor, the predictor says 75-73 Florida State. So they're only giving Florida State... A minus two. Florida State, a 58% win probability, according to the predictor, that courtesy of Nolan Analytics. And the Seminoles, six and five on the road, Notre Dame, 14 and three at home. So, four good games tonight. And according to the predictor, four close games tonight. So, if you're wanting some 
stuff to do to watch tonight before we get ramped up on conference tournaments and you overdose on mid-major collegiate tournaments over the weekend, as some of us will here. Got four good games to check out tonight. Also wanted to update you very briefly on the women's side of things. Game earlier this afternoon, Wake beats Carolina 83-73 in Greensboro. Ivana Rocca, the all-conference player, 27 points, 13 boards for the Deeks. As they advance, they'll play Virginia Tech tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. The second game today, Pitt and Notre Dame. The Panthers lead that 34-33 at the half. The winner of that game advances to play Georgia Tech tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Later tonight, Miami and Clemson. That game roughly 6.30. Winner of that goes on to play Boston College tomorrow. All these games available on your regional sports network and are taking place in Greensboro. So quick look at your women's bracket. Now that we've broken down those games, it's time to break down the program. This has been Locked on ACC for March 4th, 2020. I am Brian Wilmer. Thanks for joining us. Again, tweet the program at LockedOnACC. Email us, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. Tell your friends, tell your senators, tell your church, tell everybody. We'll see you back here soon. This has been Locked on ACC. Take care. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>